welcome to another episode of Total Health 2020. In this week's episode, I'm going to be talking all about floaters. So thank you guys so much again for tuning in. I'm really excited about this episode. I'm mainly just going to be talking about floaters. And I, I believe it's a really common problem that a lot of people have um, floaters in their eyes and it can kind of bother their vision and most people don't really know what it is. So I'm just going to be talking a little bit about what floaters are, how they happen. I'll talk a little bit about different parts of the eye and um, different things that can occur in the eye relating to floaters, um, retinal detachments and things like that. So let's get started. So first of all, I want to start by mentioning that the eye is split into three main compartments. The anterior chamber, which is just the space between the cornea and the iris. The posterior chamber, which is the space between the iris and the lens of your eye. And then the vitreous chamber. And so mainly when we're talking about floaters, we're looking at that back area, the vitreous chamber of your eye. And so that chamber, your eye is basically filled with a lot of jelly. And that jelly, it really is similar to jello in consistency. It's very clear, so it allows the light from our surroundings to actually come into our eye and be focused on the back part of our eye called the retina. And as we age, there's different things that can kind of happen in this vitreous area that ultimately causes the floaters. And so that jelly in the vitreous, it's mainly made of water and collagen. And over time, something called sinuresis occurs where basically that vitreous, it kind of liquefies and degenerates over time just as we get older. And so that collagen and water complex, it liquefies, it shrinks, and kind of contracts a little bit. And when that happens, we can actually get something called a posterior vitreous detachment. And so what that's kind of talking about is that jelly in the back of the eye, the vitreous, it's adherent to the back layer of the eye called the retina. And the retina is really a neurosensory layer at the very back of our eye that's responsible for kind of converting all of the light signals that we get from our surroundings into electrical signals that can then kind of travel to our nervous system and brain, which we interpret as vision. And so when that vitreous retinal kind of interface detaches from um, each other, then that's when we get something called a posterior vitreous detachment. And this is something that's very normal. It occurs as we age just because, like I mentioned before, the vitreous is made of water and collagen. And ultimately, as we get older, you notice people have wrinkles and things like that. And these occur because these proteins over time, they tend to denature and degrade over time. And so in our skin, that's because elastin and collagen are kind of breaking down and creating those those fine lines. In our eyes, a similar thing can happen with the collagen in the vitreous. And so as that kind of occurs, as the jelly kind of liquefies and condenses again and pulls on the retina, that's when we suddenly can get clumping up of these little collagen fibers, which is ultimately what we perceive as floaters. And so, like I mentioned before, when light comes into our eye, it eventually hits the back of that retina. But if you have these little clumps of collagen fibers in the vitreous, that ultimately creates shadows that get cast upon your retina, and that's what we perceive as these little floaters. That's why when we look around, we see these floaters kind of moving along with us in our vision, and that's because those little clumps of collagen, they're floating around in that gel, and so they're gravity-dependent ultimately, and that's why they ultimately move with our eyes when we kind of look around. And so ultimately, when we're talking about these posterior vitreous detachments, there's certain places where it's actually more likely to happen. And so when we think about our vitreous and our retina, there are particular kind of areas where our vitreous and retina are more adherent to one another. And so the places where a PVD is most likely to happen is first around the fovea or macula, and that's the area of our retina 
that's responsible for the centermost part of our vision. So when we're really looking at something, trying to focus in, and we get that really vibrant, colorful appearance of things, that's really where our macula is responsible for most of that vision processing. And so PVDs can often occur at this area, and gradually over time, it can tend to spread. And so lots of times it won't initially present with a whole lot of symptoms, but depending on how quickly this posterior vitreous detachment occurs and things like that is when you can really get a new sudden onset of floaters and really start experiencing a lot of symptoms. And so as this detachment tends to progress over time, if it tends to involve the optic nerve or optic disc, which is just basically the area of the back of the eye where all of those nerve fibers tend to congregate into one large optic nerve that goes back uh, into your central nervous system to be processed. If it occurs around there, there's a really tight attachment around this area. And so oftentimes we can get a little ring of floaters that actually occurs. And that's something that's called a, a Weiss ring. And that's something we can notice on a physical examiner with an optom ophthalmologic exam. And when we see this kind of ring of floaters floating around your eye, or if the patient really notices a circular large floater in their vision, that's when it's more likely for us to be able to notice that, okay, yes, a PVD likely did occur because it's very suggestive of a posterior vitreous detachment occurring in this particular area. There are other places where the vitreous is very adherent to the retina. One of these areas is the vitreous base and is very unlikely to have a detachment around this area. And so another way you can kind of get a posterior vitreous detachment is if we get a detachment around blood vessels. So these are this is another area where the vitreous is very strongly adherent to the back of the retina. And if we do get a posterior vitreous detachment here and it creates enough traction and enough disruption in that membrane, it can really involve those blood vessels actually. And so that can create something known as a vitreous hemorrhage. And so that's when a really a patient will start noticing a really big sudden onset of new floaters and really blurry vision because all of a sudden it's disrupted some of these blood vessels. They're starting to leak or bleed into the back of the eye and we perceive a lot of that blood the same way we would see the floaters because ultimately that's gonna be casting a shadow on the back of the retina and creating a similar image. And this is gonna create really blurry vision, a new sudden onset of floaters. And this is something that is a little bit more serious than just your typical posterior vitreous detachment. And you may be thinking, so, why do I have floaters even though I've never had a posterior vitreous detachment? And that's just because, like I mentioned before, as we age, some of these collagen fibers can break down over time. And while they may not always cause that detachment between the vitreoretinal interface, we can still get clumping of these collagen fibers and create small little floaters, not necessarily um, suggestive of a actual PVD or detachment, but just small little floaters that we'll notice in our vision. And normally these aren't too bothersome to patients. Usually this occurs in everyone as we kind of just get a little bit older. Even if we're very young, we can have these and you'll notice they just kind of float around and over time your brain tends to adapt to these and you tend to kind of just forget about them. And so I talked a little bit about how these posterior vitreous detachments can cause some complications like the vitreous hemorrhage like I mentioned earlier. But the main complication that we're really worried about when we think about these 
PVDs is something called a retinal detachment. And so you probably heard this term being thrown around and it can be a pretty serious condition just kind of depending on how quickly you're able to get in to see your ophthalmologist, where exactly this detachment is occurring and things like that. And so like I mentioned earlier, the retina, it's a thin neurosensory fiber layer that's on the back of your eye that's really responsible for the bulk of processing these light signals and converting them into electrical potentials that we can really notice as vision. And so when we get something like a PVD occurring, sometimes that can actually cause a tear in the retina. And depending on where that is, we can get complications from that. So if you have a small tear in the retina and you have this liquidy vitreous that is kind of uh, liquefying over time, if that's able to seep back into the retina, that can cause some traction and that can really cause the actual retina to detach from the underlying layer. When this happens, that's something known as a retinal detachment. And it's not necessarily always um, related to PVDs. It can happen elsewhere um, for other reasons as well. But the main reason that a PVD can be concerning is just because we don't always know right away whether you're having a posterior vitreous detachment or a retinal detachment. So whenever someone comes in with symptoms typical of a PVD, and that can be something like a sudden new onset of floaters, like I mentioned before, just because you're creating that those clumps of collagen fibers, which are creating shadows on cast on the retina. In addition to sudden new onset of floaters, we can really get flashes of light. And the reason this occurs is because when we get that detachment, we can actually be pulling on that retinal layer a little bit. And because that retinal layer doesn't necessarily always know, it can't necessarily always know why it, uh, it's triggering an action potential or triggering a um, electrical potential, it'll take these tractional kind of movements of the uh, of that interface as an electrical potential and it'll uh, notice that basically as flashes of light. And so if you have a PVD, you have these sudden onset of new floaters, you can get sudden flashes of bright light, which is typically the same kind of symptoms that you'll be experiencing with a retinal detachment. Some other things that you'll notice more specifically with a retinal detachment is that sometimes you can notice kind of a curtain coming over your vision, and essentially it's because this, this layer of retina is no longer, to, no longer able to transmit these electrical potentials, and so we just kind of see it as a graying or blackening of our vision in certain kind of areas of our eye. And that'll typically be the opposite of the area of the retina where the detachment is actually occurring. And this occurs because if you think about it, the left part of your visual field, it comes in, basically you can think about it coming in um, as a straight line, right? So if you think of the left side of your vision coming in straight, it'll hit the right side of your retina. And thus, if you kind of notice uh, a curtain on the, on the left side of your vision or flashes of light on the left side of your vision, that's more indicative of something occurring in your eye on the right side or on the right side of your retina. And the visual physics of everything is a little bit confusing. Um, most of what you're seeing is actually the opposite of where it's occurring in your visual field. And that's just because of the way we process our images. Um, the left side of our visual field tend to cross over to the right side of our brain through something called the optic chiasm. And that's that's why it can be a little bit confusing. But for, mo for the most part, if you do notice those that curtain in the left side of your vision or flashes of light in the left side of your vision, 
the doctor should really kind of look more at the right side of your retina to see if anything's happening. And the way you'll really be able to do this is if you suddenly go to the doctor, whether it's the emergency room or the ophthalmologist, and ultimately you're going to need something known as a dilated eye exam. You probably had one of these just kind of annually with your optometrist or ophthalmologist, but what they're going to do is they're going to place dilating drops in your eye. That'll kind of move the iris of your eye to the periphery so he can get a better look um, at the back of your eye or to look at the retina to see if there's any problems there. And so what they're really trying to rule out is if there's any retinal detachments versus just a posterior vitreous detachment. And so the way they'll kind of do that is they'll use different kinds of lenses to make sure they can look all around the back of your eye, make sure there's no disruptions in that uh, retinal interface, and really make sure that they're only seeing signs of what you typically see with the PVD, like that Weiss ring, like I mentioned earlier, um, a lot of new floaters, but no signs of an actual retinal detachment. And now to kind of touch on something, because this is something I've had some friends ask me about. And so if you have floaters, does that mean you've had a posterior vitreous detachment or had a retinal detachment? And no, that's not necessarily always the case. And so a posterior vitreous detachment is a fairly common phenomenon. It occurs in mostly everyone if you live long enough, but it occurs a little bit later in life usually. And so your typical patient is going to be in their 60s or 70s, and they're going to be complaining of those symptoms that I mentioned earlier. So a sudden new onset of floaters, maybe some flashes of light, and they're going to be in that kind of a little bit elderly range of 60, 70 years old. And while this is normally the case, there are some risk factors that can put you at risk of having a PVD a little bit earlier. And so one of these can be trauma. If you have trauma to the back of the eye or trauma to the eye directly, you can kind of disrupt that, that vitreous uh, substance and cause a little bit of a hastening of that degrading and degenerative process, which can ultimately cause a PVD or retinal detachment to occur earlier um, in life. In addition, if you're severely myopic, and what myopic just means is if you're nearsighted, so if you wear glasses, if you wear contacts, if you've ever had um, refractive surgery to correct your vision, um, it's more, most likely that you're a little bit myopic. And so what that means is oftentimes your eye is a little bit larger than what your um what is typically considered normal. And so when this happens, you can get kind of stretching of that back part of your eye, and that can make it a little bit easier for you to get a posterior vitreous detachment or even a retinal detachment. And so if you're severely myopic, sometimes this can occur as early as in your 30s, 40s, and that's something you really want to be on the lookout for and uh, a good reason for you to go see your ophthalmologist and optometrist a little bit more frequently than uh, your friends may or what may normally be recommended for other people. Additionally, if you have any surgery to the eye, um, usually intraocular surgery like cataract surgery, that can really uh, speed up the process. And it's been shown that about 50% of people actually can have a posterior vitreous detachment just within one year of having cataract surgery. And in addition, if you have a, a PVD in one eye, you're very, very likely to have a PVD in the other eye within a year or two, um, just because the same process is happening in the other eye and it's likely to occur at a pretty uh, soon time. And so what actually is the treatment for something like a posterior vitreous detachment? So like I mentioned earlier, the most important thing is for you to go see your doctor, make sure all that's happening is a PVD and you don't have something more serious going on. Make sure you don't have a retinal detachment or something similar to that or a vitreous hemorrhage or something like that. And so if you go to your doctor and he mentions you just had a posterior vitreous detachment and you're going to have these floaters around for a while, what he'll really probably, he or she will really probably tell you is that this is something that's not likely to bother you very much 
you will most likely get used to it over the span of the next three to six months. And that's because over time, our our brains and our uh, nervous system are very, very intelligent. They're able to adapt to these kind of like aberrant uh, signals, which is basically these floaters, because they're going to be in your vision all the time. You're able to recognize that they're not significant uh, visual kind of stimuli. And so over time, your brain just kind of tends to learn to adapt to these floaters and essentially ignore them. And so most people, if they don't have too many floaters and they're not too large, they kind of just start to ignore them, really forget about them, and you really shouldn't notice them too much. But there are some people who have very visually significant floaters that really, really bother them. And so when you have this particular kind of patient, there are some things that you can do to help them out. And so usually your average patient won't really be too bothered by these, but people who really rely heavily on um, small details for their either profession, career, hobby, whatever it is, um, they may be a little bit more bothered by these floaters, whether it's a professional golfer, basketball player, an engineer, uh, an artist, whoever it may be. If they're really bothering them, then we start with something called a vitreous floater questionnaire. We determine if you're one of the few people who would kind of benefit from treatment for this. If you really have decreased contrast sensitivity, you are outdoors a lot, and you're in these bright lights, which is typically the kind of environment where these floaters are the most noticeable. So the more bright light that's involved, if you use really bright lights on your monitors, things like that, that's when you'll notice these floaters just because of the contrast difference between these dark little floaters and the bright light that's coming in and uh, being able to cast that shadow on your retina. And so different things we can kind of do for these patients. First, we'll try to tell them to decrease the brightness of their monitors, for instance. Um, Try to stay a little bit out of the outdoors or wear sunglasses and see if that helps Um, to frequently kind of move their eyes around. So maybe we can settle some of those floaters so that they're not just in the center of their vision, kind of really impacting them. And if all of these things don't work, there are two main treatments that we can kind of use. One is known as a YAG laser. And so if the floaters are not too numerous, if they're very large and easily identifiable as being the cause of their symptoms, we can use a laser essentially to kind of zap these floaters and burst them into smaller little pieces. And hopefully this will take care of a lot of their problems. There was a study that actually showed that using a YAG laser to obliterate these little floaters as opposed to a sham or control improved the symptoms in these patients up to 54%, which was significant. There are some other kind of areas to look at because it's not necessarily going to work for every patient. And even if we are able to objectively kind of destroy these little floaters, we may not have subjective improvement in the vision, which is what the study showed for a good amount of the patients. And so that's something we always want to think about. Do we really need to operate or do any procedures on someone if it may not be necessary? And so the other kind of method that we can use to control these floaters is something called a vitrectomy. So what this is ultimately doing is it's removing a lot of that vitreous jelly from your eye and replacing it with another substance. And so what this kind of does is this ultimately really gets rid of the floaters, right? Because you're essentially sucking up all of that vitreous jelly from the back of the eye and you're getting rid of all these floaters. But this is a more invasive and serious procedure. Over time, we've come up with a lot better methods to kind of do this procedure. And so it's really not very dangerous and doesn't have too many complications. But at the end of the day, this is still a procedure and still carries a lot of risks. And so if the patient's able to kind of get by without his floaters, without having this procedure, that's usually almost always preferred. But there are a lot of individual patients who 
really suffer their quality of life because of these floaters. And so if we're able to help them with something like a vitrectomy, then that definitely is something that's on the table and kind of just varies throughout the country whether people are willing to do this or not for these patients. And ultimately, that's mostly what I wanted to talk about in regards to floaters. It's really important you do go see your eye professional to make sure that you're not having a retinal detachment. If that is something that they're concerned about, they can always treat that with a laser retinopexy, kind of laser down the areas of the tear or detachment before it gets out of hand, and that can really preserve your vision. But this is ultimately a typically benign condition, a posterior vitreous detachment, and so um, while it is important to go see your healthcare professional, if you do just see a few floaters around, it's nothing to be too worried about, especially if you're very young, you don't have a lot of risk factors, you didn't have trauma to the eye recently, and you don't have any other visual symptoms like flashes and a curtain over your vision or anything like that. Mostly these floaters are benign. You're going to just kind of over time get used to them. You'll forget they're ever really there. So I just want to thank you guys so much again for tuning in. Um, you could have been doing anything with your time, and I really appreciate you spending some time listening to this podcast, spending some time with me. So hope you guys are all being safe, doing well, and thank you so much again for tuning in. Have a great day.